0: Most of what I talk about Around the book of Psalms And chapter 119 Those of you uh, ought to know that, that Psalms 119 That's the longest chapter in the Bible And I, I don't know that I'll be able to read every verse Just because uh, 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 it, it, would, it would take some time to do that But I want to really focus on it So let me, let me do a, a little pop quiz How many of you brought a, a, a paper Uh, type Bible today, let me see it, awesome, alright, how many of you have the backup, it's on your phone or your iPad, let me see that, I'll be nice, I'm not going to ask if you don't have either, but uh, I want to encourage you, you need to bring your Bible to church and you need to let it speak to you as well, but if you will, would you let me quickly, and and the the key word is quickly, I just want to kind of Remind you that Matthew chapter 4 says that the Word of God is like bread. It's that daily bread. Um, How many of you ate today? How many of you ate multiple times today? Yeah. You know, I heard someone say, uh, uh, you know, and it's heard it said that, you know, somebody came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, You know, I don't know why we got to come to church all the time I don't even remember half the things that, you know, you preach and what you said I I don't remember, you know, the sermon for last Sunday It's not really sticking, so I I don't understand And the pastor asked him, he said, well, let me ask you a question On February the 1st, what did you eat for breakfast? Guy didn't have a, couldn't answer He said, "All right." He said, what'd you eat for lunch? Guy couldn't answer What'd you eat for supper? You know, he hadn't thought that for. He said, Here's the thing. You may not remember what you ate for breakfast, lunch, or dinner on February the 1st, but you ought to be glad you ate it because if you don't eat it, even if you don't remember it, you're going to die. And so sometimes we may not remember what we're eating, but it's that constant daily intake of God's word and God's presence so the word is bread according to Matthew chapter 4 First Peter said as newborn babies desire the sinile milk of the word that you may grow thereby and if it be so you have tasted that the Lord is gracious first Corinthians says takes a little bit further it says that the word is like meat you, you start off easy in milk but but as you grow and mature in God the, the word, becomes something you can sink your teeth in. Psalms 119, we'll get there later, but Psalms 119, 103 says, How sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, they're sweeter than honey in my mouth. And I believe that all of those are, are, are used for a purpose to remind you and I that the word of God ought not be something we partake of just on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. The word of God needs to be something that constantly you are going in it. There, uh, I don't, I don't, am not trying to 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 give you some weird uh, interpretation of the Bible, but we know in the book of John, the book John one one, and the Word became flesh. I believe there is a, without taking away that incredible uh, understanding of the incarnation of God, I believe that there is a secondary understanding and that is the word needs to become flesh in us as well. It needs to take resident in us as well. It has to go. Someone said it this, woe to the preacher or teacher who merely echoes God's word and does not incarnate God's word. What that means is I would do you a great disservice if I merely told you what the Bible said but I myself did not live what the Bible said. It's important and God is not going to force feed you his word. He's not going to grab your mouth, open it up, and shove the Bible down your throat. God's Word. It has to be something that you willingly take. And I'm going to tell you, just like uh, uh, in our own life, my two kids, are uh, uh, they, they've they been battling sickness all week. And it's, I feel sorry for them. And for Zane, it's finals week. And for Zoe, it's party week. That's the difference between grade school and high school, you know and uh, they, uh, Zane was able to go to school today, but uh, Zoe's missed all this week with school, and you know, you got to take medicine when you're sick, and there's a lot of medicine you take that tastes nasty. Or it's a pill that's big and you gotta swallow it. There are some parts of God's word that's bitter. There's some parts of God's words that are hard to swallow. But I'm gonna tell you, you need to have that in you just as much as you have the sweetness and the good things that God words says. If I had a text, if we were gonna read a text, it would be Psalms one nineteen eleven. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee there's so much that we could say about that David which which, I don't know that we we have a good understanding of exactly who this psalmist was but let's just for because we like to think that David wrote a lot of the psalms let's just say it's David David understood this that if he is going to rise above sin he's going to have to have God's word hidden in his heart uh, so I hope you have your Bible, if you do I want you to turn to the book of Psalms 119 And, and I will, like I said, I'm going to do my best to, to read some of it, to, to hit some of the highlights But I also want to tell you some cool things about the Word of God The Word of God is, an, is a book that you cannot exhaust the the treasures that are in there. Much like people are still studying Shakespeare in the entire uh, 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 canon of Shakespeare, and they're constantly finding new things, and uh, the Word of God is greater than Shakespeare. And and the psalmist, he wrote that that 119th chapter, and, and he did so with a great understanding of the power of God's Word this psalmist, whoever it was, was persecuted by men of rank and authority he was persecuted by those who ridiculed his beliefs he was, uh, there were those that sought to shame him and make him give up his faith but the psalmist constantly says that I strengthened myself I meditated on the word of the Lord to this psalmist the word of the Lord became his comfort, his prized possession his rule of life, and his resource for strength. Now, here's something that's interesting. How many of you, especially those of you that have your paper Bible, how many of you, this psalm is broken up in what looks like stanzas of a poem? All right. Of course, we know that that Job, Psalms, and Proverbs, those are what we call the poetry books of the Bible. And, uh, Some of it gets lost in its translation to the English language. But in the book of Psalms 119, it is written in an acrostic. Uh, Each paragraph, each paragraph that you see contains eight verses. And each line of those eight verses start with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's not going to show up alphabetically in English. But if we could read Hebrew, you would find that the first paragraph, the first stanza, the first eight verses, each line of those eight verses would begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the second one begins with the second uh, 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 letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The Hebrew alphabet only has 22 Letters, not 26 like, like the English language has, but it has 22. And so there are 22 strophes or 22 stanzas of this. And, and you have to think for a moment that the writer put some time and effort into writing that. It's a collection, if you will, of prayers, a collection of meditations centered around the Word of God. There are ten different ways that you're going to talk about the Word of God. Number one, it's going to talk about the law. It occurs some 25 times in this psalm. That's the Torah. The word, word, uh, the bar, occurs 20 times. It's a general term for God's revelation. But uh, from what I understand, again, I don't read Hebrew, but from what I understand, the Ten Commandments literally translated in Hebrew, are the ten words. Then there's sayings. Uh, If you have a new international version Bible This would be translated as promise 19 times the promise of God Uh, 21 times the word commandment uh, uh, is seen Again, you may not If you're one of those And you're going to try to start counting them You may get off Because depending on your English translation But it's the Hebrew words for this that appears Uh, The word commandment 21 times The word statutes 21 times The word judgment 19 times The word precepts 21 times The word testimony 22 times The word way Is used 5 times in the plural And 6 times in the singular path It's very similar to the word uh, 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 Way Is used 5 times And then you take all of that He's talking about the word of God And then he uses words like this I delight in the word of God. You several times. I love the word of God. I obey the word of God. I meditate on the word of God. I rejoice in the word of God. I want the word of God to renew me. I want the word of God to preserve me. So what I want to do for, the, for just a little bit, uh, I, you know, just, this is how my mind thinks, but Miller, you know, there's 22 uh, stanzas in this, in this chapter. If I spent one minute on each of those stanzas, that's 22 minutes. If I spent two minutes, that's 42 minutes, or 44 minutes. So we got to be very careful. I I could be here a long time. So I cannot, uh, I I thought about reading each verse, but I don't know that we can do that. So I'm going to have to just let you help me out. And this is where you bringing a Bible means so much. I want you to turn and what. however you, if you have to do your phone, if you have to do your iPad, if you got a, Go sit by someone that has a Bible. I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to turn to the book of Psalms 119. And I want to look at those 22 stanzas, and I want to I wanna just show you everything you get with the Word of God. Is that fair enough? Everything you get with the Word of God. Now, you, you, you know that I've, I've, been on a, I've been on a crusade, and I'm not going to apologize for it one bit. I've been on a crusade over the last year or so to, to, to try to elevate the, the Word of God and the Bible usage in our church. I think you've understood that. And so what I've done in my Bible is I went and, and, and I wrote, because you're going you're gonna to hear me say what each of those stanzas represent. I'm going to give you kind of a one line for each of those stanzas. And so in my Bible, I've wrote what those the, each of those stanzas represent. You know, it is. And so uh, grab a pen. If you need a pen, I'm going to let you get up and walk. There's pens on the back uh, in that little jar right there by our giving kiosk. You can go grab a pen. I want you to see what you get when you have and use the Word of God. The first one is found in the first eight verses. And it is when you have the Word of God... You have a blessing of of obedience. Meaning that if you obey the word of God, there is a blessing that comes. The blessing of obedience. Because it starts out here. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. I'm going to tell you right now that I'm finding it to be very true in my life but there are those that have lived twice as long as I've been alive that are in this church today, and I look towards my grandparents and those who blazed the path, and I am fast learning that when you obey the word of the Lord, your life is, is infinitely more blessed. So if you're looking around at your life, now I know it rains on the just and the unjust, I know all of that. But if you're looking around and you're saying, how come my life feels like I'm slogging uphill in in a foot of mud with big old rubber boots and I can't get any traction, why is it? Have you checked your obedience to God's word? It's amazing. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. The psalmist goes on to say, you commanded that your your precepts be kept diligently. The Word of God is not something that you ought to obey every once in a while. It ought not be something that you just pick and choose. But you need the whole counsel of His Word. And you need to obey it and follow it and learn from it and and keep it from Genesis to Revelation. The first thing you get is that blessing when you obey His Word. That's the first eight verses. Now, as I'm doing this, I want you to, here's what I'm wanting you to do. As I kind of hit these eight lines, you know, each of the eight lines, go ahead and read the verses I'm not reading. Go ahead and see what it's saying. The second thing you get in verse nine through 16 is the cleansing by God's word. God's word is an incredible cleanser. Watch what the psalmist says. Here's the question: How can a young man keep his way pure? He said, and here's the answer, by guarding it according to your word. How can can a person keep their life pure? Guard it by the word. And then you're going to see this phrase a lot. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandment. Now, the King James says it this way in in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But here's what the English Standard, the one I'm using, says. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's more than hiding it. It's a storing. It's it's, it's, it's making sure you have it for a time you're going to need it. Part of my Bible reading, I've been reading through the, the story of Joseph. And that's what Joseph did. When jo, you know, the, the, the seven lean cows, the seven fat cows, the seven lean ears of corn, the seven big ears of corn said you're going to have seven good years followed by seven lean years. Store it up when you got the good years. So that when the famine comes, you got something to go back to. I want to tell you right now that you need to store God's word in your heart because there's going to be a moment when your Bible's not going to be with you and there's going to be a moment when you're not going to be able to come and find pastor and you're going to need God's word stored here so you can make it through a trying time there. The cleansing of God's word. The third stanza. The psalmist begins to appreciate God's word or the appreciation of God's word. He begins to look. He says things like, I behold the wondrous things out of your law. He said, my soul is consumed with longing for your rule at all time. uh, I've kept your testimonies. And then he says in verse 24, your testimonies are my delight and they are my counselor. I appreciate God's word. Maybe not, well, maybe some of you young people have gotten to this place yet. I hope you have. But any of you adults got to that place where the older you got, the more you appreciated the words of your dad and your mom? You begin to realize they were pretty smart? I think this is what the psalmist is saying. The longer I see God's word, the longer I apply God's word to my life. The longer and the more that I see God's word, there's not a situation in my life that I get to that God's word can't help me through. And each time he helps me, the more I appreciate it and I love God's word. The fourth one. He begins to pray for understanding. He says, my soul clings to the dust. This is verse 25. Give me life according to your word. When I told you of my ways, you answer me. Teach me your statutes. Verse 27 is the key. Make me to understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. When you read his word, I want you to do more than just read it. I want you to ask the the Lord, to let his word speak to you You know it's amazing uh, What just and, and and you don't have to pray a long time It's amazing what a simple prayer Before you read his word It says Lord As I read your word I want it I, First off I want to keep it I want to grasp it I don't want it to go in one ear out the other I want to get a hold of it But Lord would you help me Understand your word How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost You see you know what the Bible says about the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. You don't need a commentary. You don't need anyone to tell you. All you need is the Word of God in itself, and God's Spirit will help you know, and so you need to pray for understanding. The fifth one, he, he the psalmist begins to talk about the loyalty to God's Word. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statute and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law, and I will observe it with, observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments. I delight in it. He said, I don't want to just do it on Sunday morning. I don't want to just get into the word of God on Sunday night, but I want to be able to, at the end of my life, look back and say, Lord, I walked in your word. I was loyal to it. I was loyal to it. The sixth one is the salvation you and I get through the word of God. This is the Old Testament. He's not privy to acts happening. He's not privy to the words of Jesus that we know of and we preached about last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, but this is what he said. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, and your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your Word when the enemy comes against me, when the the, the wicked one comes against me, I know what God's word says about my salvation, and I'm gonna follow it till I get it. The seventh one, I want you to see the hope you have from God's word. He says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is the comfort in my affliction. That your promise gives me life. And I want to tell you that when I begin to read the word. And when I begin to put the word deep down in my heart. It begins to give me those verses like when the enemy comes in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And I have hope. When I'm sick, I can call upon him because it said by his stripes we are healed and it gives me hope. When I know that my life was lost in sin, I can look at the cross and what he said. I can look at the fact that I am baptized into him and I get his name. I'm a child of God. I have hope in his word. Again, we go back uh, a, a little bit The first one we talked about Was the blessing of obedience But he, he, he now tells you That you have to obey God's word It's one thing to talk about the blessing It's a whole other thing to do it So you get the blessing Does that make sense? It's like talking about You know uh, All you're going to get If you'd invest some money In you know the stock market Or you'll know, put it in a CD And you can talk all you want to About whatever you're going to gain But until you do it All it is is talk and so the psalmist says, I believe we're on the eighth one, the psalmist says it's obedience to God's word. And I want you to look at this first verse. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. When's the last time you, and, and, and by the way, don't make a promise you don't intend to keep. The Lord hates that. But when's the last time you told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do everything Humanly possible to keep your word. That way, when you don't, he thumps you upside the head, and he said, "I remember when you said you were going to follow my precepts. How come you're not?" There's going to be a wedding coming up pretty soon, I think, uh, for uh, Sister Hannah and Brother Levi, and they're they going to say some vows to each other. And the whole reason we say vows is because when 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 that husband and wife that groom and bride say vows they're doing it in front of three groups of people if you will first off they're saying it to those that are in the audience you know I, I, I promise to love you when you're sick I promise to love you when you're healthy I promise to love you when you got a lot of money I promise to love you when we're broke as can be you know all those vows that way if later on one of them begins to stray from a vow those that were at the wedding can go to him and say I remember when you said that vow in church the second is you're saying your vow to each other. Every once in a while, husbands and wives, maybe a, 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 a some some fight begins to happen and some friction begins to happen. You got to remind each other. We said vows. I remember what you said. I I know you know money's tight, but you said you were gonna love me even when we're poor. But that last one is you say those vows in front of God, which means when. You start straying from those vows. God has every right, like I said, thump you upside the head and say, you know, I remember on that day, this is what you said. You need to step back in your life and say, Lord, I promise to keep your words. Where are we at? I think we're on the the ninth one, I believe. Verse 65. You can trust in God's word. You have dealt well with your servant, O oh Lord, according to your word. You've dealt well. I will tell you today, and, and brother, brother Justin, as he was leading, talked about God being an on-time God. It's sometimes not our timing. But when when we realize it's God's timing, we know He dealt well with us. When we look back in our life through God's word, God's word is going to deal well with you. You can trust in God's word. Verse 72 ends, That stands of the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I have a question for you. Could you say the same way the psalmist said? I'd rather have your word than a million dollars. I'd rather have your word than all the money in the bank, I'd rather have your word than all the riches in the world, and I'm going to tell you that that has to be your understanding of the word. We go back. He he begins the the first the uh, in, in the. I don't have these numbers. That's probably something I need to go do is is number these stanzas. But uh, back in four, verse 49, it says, "Hope from God's word. We derive our hope from His word. But now we say we hope." In his word. Again, it's kind of not just saying there's hope from God's word. But now I've gone through some situations and I hope in God's word. Here is uh, um, the, the key verse, 74. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. He said, let your mercy come to me that I might live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies, that my heart may be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. He said, I, I begin to realize that because I have followed your word, because I have trusted your word, there is hope in your the next stanza goes on and it says that God's word is faithful my soul longs for your salvation I hope in your word my eyes long for your promise I ask when will you comfort me and the psalmist begin to write some things he's saying you know I'm in a bad spot I'm I'm in a place where I'm kind of wondering if if you've forgotten me how long am I going to endure but then he says but all your commandments are sure it's kind of like Job in the midst of his trials Said, he said, I, I don't understand him, but I know that God's word is faithful. We jump down to verse 89, and we find that God's word is sure. Have any of you ever been a recipient of a broken word? Somebody says they're going to do something, and they don't. Maybe it was your problem. Maybe you said you were going to do something, and you don't. Have you ever been the recipient of a broken promise? Maybe you, you, you bought something and that, that, that warranty was going to be so good and then you find out later there was some of that real, real fine print and that warranty wasn't near as good as you thought. This is what the psalmist said about the word of God. Verse uh, uh, 89, Forever, oh Lord, your word, is firmly fixed in the heavens and your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth and it stands fast. You could keep going. In that on and on and on. Let me just tell you, God's word was sure for David. God's word was sure for the disciples. God's word was sure for Apostle Paul. God's word was sure for my grandparents. God's word is sure for my parents. God's word is sure for me. And it's going to be sure for my children and their children and their children. Until the Lord comes back, God's word does not return void. go to the next stanza, simply because I forgot how many stanzas we've done, we go to the next stanza, verse 97, God's word is sweet, and it's where we read in 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth, the first part of that, 97, oh how I love your law, it's my meditation all the day. And the more that I read his word, Sister Sorrels, you and I have talked about it. I know you love his word. The more I read his word, the better it gets. The more I read his word, the easier I understand it. The more I read his word, it's just, it's like honey to my lips. God's word is sweet. In 105, the next stanza goes, God's word is a light. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Another verse says order, uh, another verse in the word of God says order my steps in your word. And I have found in my life that if you'll let the word of God guide you, it will light your feet, it will light your path and it will show you the direction you need to take. It's amazing how that is. The next one, Psalm, Psalms one nineteen, and, and verse one thirteen. God's word is awe inspiring. The, the verse one twenty, and, and and it sounds uh, it sounds uh, negative, but it really doesn't mean it in a negative it says my flesh trembles for fear of you i am afraid of your judgments but what it means is i have seen how powerful your word is i have seen how awesome your word is and i don't ever want to get on the other side of your word i love the fact that your word is a, a lamp to my feet i love the fact that your word is sure i love the fact that your word is is you know has has protected me and scared kept me and bless me, but there's another side of God's Word. It's the side of the judging of God's Word, and God's Word is true. And, and you know, the thing about judgment is, as long as you do what is right, you're never in, in fear of that judgment. But when you do what's wrong, you feel the full weight of that judgment. In Psalms 119 and verse 121, the next eight verses, there is a vindication we get from God's word. And and the psalmist, he's not being cocky, he's not being arrogant, but he says, God, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Don't let the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for salvation for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. And the psalmist said, Lord, I know this. If I walk in your word, you will not leave me hanging. And every once in a while, you need to be able to pray that same prayer. Lord, I've done what is right and I need you to vindicate me. And he will. We talked about God's word is awe inspiring but now he uses the word uh, he says God's word is Wonderful, Verse one, or verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your word gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. And it's reminding me that, that thirst for the word of God. As the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, another psalms, psalmist wrote. His word is wonderful. The next one, God's word is righteous. Verse 137, righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. I will tell you right now, uh, look at 140, verse 140, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I'm small and despised, meaning by the world, but I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever. Your law is true. There's no shadow of turning with God. He don't change the rules. He doesn't change according to the society. He doesn't change and kind of, uh, you you know, some people have this this false view of what righteousness means, and they mean as long as I'm better than the world around me, I'm righteous. The problem is, is as the world decreases, so would your righteousness if you just kind of stay right above them. But God's Word isn't like that. God's Word is righteous. The next one, Psalms 145. God's Word is true. I like what he says. With my whole heart I cry. Answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I called to you. Save me that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that i may meditate on your promise hear my voice according to your steadfast love o lord according to your justice give me light they are those that draw near who persecute me with evil purpose but they are far from your law but you are near o lord and all of your commandments are true and long have i known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever the 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 It's it's again, the wise man built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand. If you build your life on the shifting foundations of this world and its knowledge and its philosophies, then you're going to come to a time where what you thought was true isn't true anymore. If you you live your life with the morality of this world, you're going to find that what you thought was moral, someday, somewhere the Supreme Court decides that it's not the same anymore. and, And they begin to change it. And so the psalmist said, it doesn't matter what's around me. I know that your commandments are true. And one of the verses I love in the Word of God says, there hath not failed one word of all the promises that you have promised. His word is true. We just got three more. The psalmist said, I, I love God's word. Look on my affliction and deliver me. I do not forget your law. He says, uh, Consider, verse, verse 159 Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules. Forever. Psalms 161. This would be the 21st stanza. He rejoices in God's word. I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great spoil. Like a treasure. I I, I should have printed it out. I, I don't I don't know that I could find it fast enough, but uh it, it, they found it a couple months ago, but you know they keep a lot of these things under wraps. They don't want anybody to know, but they're now it's starting to hit the news, and that is that there is what they call the Holy Grail of shipwrecks that have been found. They 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 found it two thousand feet or two, maybe two thousand meters. I don't remember which one it was, but it's way under there. They found it with a submersible uh, unmanned submarine. And I believe, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to see if I can locate it real quick, if I remember correctly, they're saying that on that shipwreck is some 17 million dollars worth of jewels, gold, coins, and silver. They were searching for it with a remote control sub and as the story goes, the guy that was kind of controlling it or, or watching it, it was at night and he was sitting and on his bunk, and I guess he could see what they saw, and 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 coming into focus was cannons. And if I I, I think the cannons have a, a porpoise on them, and that's how they knew it belonged to that shipwreck. And he said, I just sat there and smiled because I realized what I had found. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I have all I dream, man. I was a I was a dreamer as a kid. I read all them cool stories. I read the Hardy Boys, and they found treasure. I I read all that. I desperately wanted to find treasure I never found any treasure I have a friend when we were in Toledo, Ohio, I have a friend named Jonathan Gray, one of her best friends had an old house and and uh, he got ready to, to remodel his house and he was taking up the wooden floor and, and you know how the cabinets, underneath the cabinets there's like a kick plate took that kick plate off, and he saw something back there, and he reached in, and he started pulling out boxes, like, like cigar boxes, and in it was coins, and, and um, he, he, he began to look through it, it was old coins, it was it was rare coins, he went through all of the, whatever the legal things is, nobody claimed it, and he had found over $5,000 worth of rare coins, I don't like him, because I have found that. But the psalmist said, You keep that. I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great treasure. And I found that to be true today. I rejoice in God's word. And then, as you've, I haven't read every verse, but maybe as I've read the ones I have, you've gotten the tenor of the psalmist. He's been in some bad spots. He's he's had those that have attacked him. And he ends his psalm, he says, I also know there's deliverance by God's word. And I'm going to read this in its entirety. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Let me, or or give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your words and my lips will pour out praise for you teach me your statutes. My tongue... Will sing of your word, for your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. Let my rule, let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. God's word is power. I want us to stand today. That's what you get when you begin to follow God's Word. There was a a reference, a, an incredible story that was a, a, originally told by Francis Schaeffer in some lectures he gave, but it appeared in a book called The Bible as History. There are some that say, you know, the Word of God is just a, it's just kind of an archaic book. It's really just full of fables and legends. But if if you begin to look, I, I, how many of you remember there was a, a time that that Saul, King Saul, uh, you, you know, there there was a a time where Jonathan and his armor bearer crawled up a cliff and. Got up to a small field and they were able to defeat the the, the Philistines because they scaled the cliff that the Philistines said you know is not not scalable. Well, Major Vivian Gilbert, a British Army officer, wrote in his his memoirs. He said in the First World War, a brigade major in Al Allen Allenby's army in Palestine was on one occasion searching his Bible with the light of a candle, looking for a certain name because. His brigade had received orders to take a village that stood on the rocky prominence on another side of a deep valley. The valley was called Mishmash. And that name seemed familiar. And and so he picked up his Bible and by the light of a candle, he eventually found that. It found it in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and it read there, And Saul and his son, Jonathan, and the people that were present with him abode at at Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in mismatch, and it went on to tell how Jonathan and his armor bearer had crossed over through the night and how they passed by two sharp rocks. First Samuel chapter 14 and verse 4 says, There was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. The name of one was Boaz and the other was Cena. And they climbed the cliff and overpowered the garrison. It was like a half acre of land, like a yoke of oxen might plow. And that, that, Brigadier general, or that that brigade commander, he he said, I wonder if that's still there now, some 3,000 years later. How accurate really is the word of God? So he awoke the commander. They read through the passage. They sent out a few patrols, and they found the path, and it led past two jagged rocks. And there on the top, they could see by the light of the moon, a very small, flat field and they climbed that and the Turks they met were overpowered without a sound and the cliffs were scaled and the company took up position on that half acre of land and so Major Gilbert said after thousands of years the British troops successfully copied the tactics of Saul and Jonathan now you you, I know we like to look at the Bible as something spiritual but that just shows you some of the truth of the word of God but can I tell you that far more than just making sure that the Word of God was accurate in its landscape and accurate in its topology of a map. God's Word is much more accurate even when it comes to guiding our lives. Meaning that if it was written 2,000 years ago in a different society, in a different time, you don't discount it because God's Word is so incredible that it applies just the same. 2018 as it did in 90 AD his word protects us, strengthens us that's what you get when you have the word of God, I wonder if we could close our eyes for a moment I wonder if you could just kind of begin to think about all the things we talked about maybe more than anything you could Begin to look at your life and perhaps you could say, as the psalmist said, I promise to obey everything your word tells me to obey. I wonder if you could just talk to him for just a moment. Father, I'm thankful for your word. Lord, I want to make sure that I love your word more than the shout. That I love your word more than... Even the worship. I, I, I want to make sure that when I come to church, what I want more than anything when I leave is to be able to say that I, I, the Word of God spoke to me and I, I, I grabbed hold of the Word of God and the Word of God, I put it in my heart. And I'm asking, Lord, that I could hide Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Lord, I want Your Word to guide me. Lead me. Be that lamp to my feet. Be that light to my path. God I want to walk in your commandments I want to walk in your precepts and I give you praise in Jesus name in Jesus name amen and amen how many of you are going to start taking a little closer look at his word hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against him would you go with God would you go with mercy And would you go reading his word? God bless you in Jesus' name.